0: We go to the wineries, we flash our card. Most of the time, we're actually going there to interview them anyway. And they roll out the red carpet for us. We get our 30% discount. We do the free tastings. Some places, we even get 50% off on any wine we purchase there that day. It's phenomenal. And and it's really, if you're going to be spending the money for a passion anyway, you might as well get discounts on it and and write it off. Welcome to the Life in Paradise podcast, the show about creating a life you never need a vacation from. You'll gain inspiration from those who have done it before as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to live your dream life in paradise with your host, attorney turned alchemist Don Fleming.
1: All right, well, we are into our third of our expert series on the relaunch of our podcast, the Life in Paradise podcast that it is now called, and I am thrilled to have a podcast mentor of mine with me today. He's uh, generously agreed to uh, to share some of his brilliance with us, and uh, I met uh, Michael Neely at his uh, event, Reach, in Southern California. That was phenomenal. I almost didn't need to fly home. I had so many ideas coming back, but he's a former professional actor, a medieval knight. We'll get into that. I think that's fascinating uh turned writer speaker podcast host and mentor to visionary solopreneurs his first book the art of forgetting is all about letting go of our limiting stories and authoring the life we truly want to live and his international bestseller zero to launch podcast accelerator is based on his flagship course of the same name as a host of five podcasts michael has become one of the top experts in the field And that's landed him the opportunity to speak at the Premier Industry Event Podcast Movement. And he's been featured as an icon of influence um, in five consecutive News Media Summit events and hosting his own training events internationally. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for taking the time.
0: Well, thanks for having me here, Don. I'm so excited to be a part of your what I think is just an amazing podcast. I look forward to that time in my life when I start traveling more and living abroad.
1: Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. In fact, I've said it's my favorite part of my business. Really, I just enjoy it so much. And it was actually the start of my business was mm-hmm. the podcast before I even had a business. It was really um, just a passion project wow, initially. It. So it's uh, it's been really fun to to do it. And then um, you know, learning from you, uh, all the possibilities um, just was really exciting. I, I really uh, and I gotta say. Uh, I think the thing I took away from your event, almost more than anything, I think you'll love this, is the importance of having fun. And yes. <laughs> as a recovering attorney, um, sometimes I forget about that that piece. You know, I, it's so easy to get, you know, into the minutia of the, the details or how do we make this happen and stuff. And I love your authenticity, um, that your mission is to help these visionary entrepreneurs that I think are so, so important um, to our future, really, as a planet. Um, so I I got to say, my favorite part of your bio is the fact you were a knight. And I, I think I, I might have told you, I live in a castle, uh, literally, Casito del Caribe. It's uh, the little castle by the sea. And I actually painted a knight on my wall and I was so proud of myself because I made him shiny but I found out that's not such a good thing. Can you share that story? Cause I've shared it a couple of yeah. times. People are just fascinated by that.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the truth is, and it's come to be known as a compliment these days to go, Oh, such a knight in shining armor. And the fact is that that was an insult uh, in its time, because if you were a knight in shining armor, it meant that you were just, you know, preening around like a peacock but you'd never really been in battle because if you'd been in battle your armor was not shiny it was dirty and rusted and dented and uh the, the you wore pride in that fact not on the fact that you had this shining armor
1: and <laughs> well, I love that and uh and, and you actually did uh renaissance shows as on the horse with the yeah like the whole the real yeah, deal. yeah
0: 12 <laughs> full years, I started out jousting for Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament, and I actually became their head knight and show manager. So it was my job to travel around the United States and open their new locations, hiring guys, teaching them to ride a horse, to joust, to sword fight. And then I decided at that point, I was jousting for them in New York, and I decided I really wanted to focus more on my acting career. So I left that company. Uh, started doing soap opera and television work and jousting for the New York Renaissance Fair, which was a summer weekend's job that was also fun for another six years.
1: Wow! Yeah, that as I always say, that beats practicing law. You know, I mean, <laughs> what a what a fun fun uh, time that was spent. So I'm blessed. Tell me, how did you start podcasting?
0: Well, it's interesting, uh, and I'll I'll key in on something that you said a little bit ago that you started as a passion project as well with yours. I actually was kind of my I had a high-tech startup company and we were reaching the end of our financial runway and we're having a hard time getting the thing to take off or to find new investors to keep us going until we reached solvency. And so I kind of felt like, okay, we're we're gonna hit the end of our runway here. And I, I one of the things I'd always done, even in my acting days, was Uh, coaching people on mindset breakthroughs and how to uh, really overcome your mental blocks, kind of like what you mentioned about my first book, The Art of Forgetting. And I was with a client coaching him, and he was having these really aha moments that I thought, we should maybe document this. I said, should we be recording this session? And he agreed. And so we started the recorder, and at the end, we played it back. And he said, dude, that sounds really good. You should start a podcast. And this wow. is 2014. And I'm like, what's a podcast? <laughs> right. You know, I'd never listened to one in my life before. And uh, he told me a little bit about it. And I go, wow, this sounds really cool. Maybe I should do that. And two weeks later, I launched my first show. So
1: just, just yeah, almost serendipitous. Um, yeah, yeah, recording. totally. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, to, uh, 2014. I don't think I'd ever heard the word podcast uh, yeah. back then, uh, really the beginning. So um, you've obviously become very passionate about it. And I I think um, part of it is what the competition is like. I know when I started my podcast, it was, you know, the, the recommendation I got was either start a blog or start a podcast. And they shared some of the statistics about how many blogs there are versus podcasts. Can you share a little bit about that? I think people don't realize yeah. the opportunity that's there.
0: Yeah, well if you look in the blog space the last record i checked was said there was like 440 million blogs okay so it's just crazy noisy in that market in the world of youtubers uh, about 25 million youtubers putting out content and in podcasting we just recently surpassed 2 million and this is the really cool part about that dawn though it's it's like back harkening back to my acting days uh, when i was in the screen actors guild you know, the records showed that there were like 90,000 members of the Screen Actors Guild, but it was only like 2% of them were making enough money to actually get the insurance level in through the guild. And that was only like $12,000. So the vast majority were not really doing any work. It's the same thing kind of in podcasting, maybe not to that degree percentage wise, but of those two plus million shows that are out there, Only 27% have put out any new content in the last 90 days. Wow, that's just astounding. Yeah, so it's not a noisy market. You're talking, you know, 500, 600,000 podcasts that are really putting out content on a regular basis. And that's really good news, and especially because the consumption keeps rising as well.
1: Right, kind of reminds me of uh, network my network marketing days, you know. Only uh, <laughs> a lot yeah. of people involved, right? But but who actually did the work and and took it exactly. seriously exactly. to do it. So uh, same sort of thing. I would, I've always said, you know, eighty percent of success is showing up, right?
0: <laughs> For sure.
1: So um, we're kind of focused this quarter um, on the the topic of community, and and you've obviously built some uh, lovely communities with your podcast that you have. But I was wondering if you could maybe give a couple of examples of people who've used podcasting to parlay that into uh, from an interest or passion into creating a community, and then maybe perhaps even turning it into a business. And I, I'm thinking of the one gentleman in particular you interviewed, I listened to, um, Doug Sandler. And, and I guess that interview was even, I, I mean, a lot has happened since that interview with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Doug and his partner, JJ, uh, both dear friends of mine, they're co-hosts of my Something to Whine About podcast with me. Uh, They're really into creating community. And and like me, they have multiple podcasts, and each one serves a little bit of a different purpose. But for Doug, he created one in the world of Mustangs. He loves Mustangs. He's got a classic 65 uh, baby blue convertible Mustang, and he started a show called Ford Mustang the Early Years. And he just started it kind of as a passion project. And boom, it has really taken off to where he's got, you know, tens of thousands of followers in Instagram and his, his account in there. His downloads for his show just keep going up and up and up because he's he's tapped into and created his own community around the people who are, you know, classic Ford owners and aficionados. And so it's really a cool thing to it. it, What he did, which I think is really important for anybody who's considering this is he tapped into an existing community, pulling from that to create his own community, which is really cool. If you can find that thing that there's already an existing, you know, group of people who are into something to then create your own within it. It's really a smart move, I think.
1: Yeah, kind of that that uh, subset of that, yeah. that larger group. And um, is that turned into a business for him? or
0: is it more and more it is. And it's interesting too, when you think about the different ways to monetize a podcast or any of the work we do really, one of the things that he does is because his uh, he shoots these reels, For Instagram, and because his reels kept getting so many views in Instagram, they were loving it. And Instagram has this deal: if you commit to creating a certain number of reels and posting over a period of time, they start to pay you for it. And so, one of the things he's doing there is he's getting checks. I think he mentioned one recently. He's got yeah, they gave me five hundred bucks this month for just doing reels that are helping him to grow his audience anyway. And now, because Instagram wants more people staying in their world. They're now paying him money to keep these rolling around in the Instagram space. So that's one of the ways that uh, he can do it. The other thing is now he's hit that point where his audience has grown to the part where he's going to start to have sponsors approaching mm-hmm. him and going, hey, you know, we deal, we're, we specialize in classic Ford Mustangs and reupholstery or whatever. So he'll find that right audience that caters to that crowd and he'll start the sponsorship revenue from it as well.
1: Right, so he really has is, is taken that hobby and and really run with it, yeah. and uh, both. Done it's both. not
0: even his main podcast. You know, this was like number six, I think, and just and you never know what's going to take off. That's the other part I I really try to teach people is to think like a media company, because the truth is nobody knows what's going to strike a nerve with the public and what's really going to find an audience. And if you think you know, I mean, you could probably get a job at one of the networks. Uh, helping them, but they don't even know. That's why they always put out a new series of shows every season time, what they call the upfronts and the shows go and some of them don't find an audience and they cancel them and replace it with another idea that they have. Right, And, And so you just keep trying until you get those home runs. And I think it's important in the podcasting space to always be creating as well.
1: I love that. That's that's so interesting. I know you've also taken a hobby or passion and turned that into a podcast. Um, you, I love it. Would you yeah. you please tell us about something to wind about?
0: Sure. Yeah. So it, it was fortunate that in the industry, uh, wine industry, I had some friends who were pretty savvy and, and I loved going up to Napa and Sonoma and wine tasting. And I would always go up with some friends and end up Blowing a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks, packing homes multiple cases of wine, and when I would go with friends who were in the industry, I noticed that we got to taste for free, and that because they were in industry, they could get a thirty percent discount on wine. I'm like, that's freaking brilliant! I need to be in the industry, and you know, to get that little trade out, you know, it's an insider information. And well, having a podcast about wine is being in the industry. So now we go to the wineries, we flash our card. Most of the time, we're actually going there to interview them anyway. And they roll out the red carpet for us. We get our 30% discount. We do the free tastings. Some places we even get 50% off on any wine we purchase there that day. It's phenomenal. And it's really if you're going to be spending the money for a passion anyway, you might as well get discounts on it and, and write it off.
1: Right. So even though it's not monetized from a an income standpoint, <laughs> it really is putting more money oh, in your pocket. Yeah. Right. Because Absolutely. <laughs> you'd be spending it anyway.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I love it. We'll be back in a moment.
0: Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. castelitocaribe.com www.castilitocaribe.com
1: we look forward to seeing you soon I'm so happy to have you with me for the life in paradise podcast i love our listeners and fans and we'd love to show our appreciation for you supporting the show So please head over to lifeinparadisepodcast.com where you can find free resources mentioned in the show and also register for our gifts, prizes and swag. I'd also love to hear from you. So there's a place on that page to submit your questions, comments and requests so I can serve you better. And if I answer your question on the show, we'll send you a free gift. I'm thinking about folks that that maybe are wanting to do something in the nonprofit space. Are you, can, can you tell me any stories about, about people in that space? And sure. uh, in fact, I'm thinking even uh, the gentleman who was at the event. Uh,
0: yeah. One of the um, podcasts that I helped launch with one of my clients is called Inspired Nonprofit Leadership. And she created that podcast, and and she herself is not a nonprofit, but she is a a teacher for executive directors of nonprofits, and she managed a nonprofit for many, many years. And now she's parlaying her own experience into uh, training for people. And so she gets paid to uh, work with these nonprofits um i guess the the big thing that i would say or suggest in that space is use your podcast for whatever is going to support you i mean I, there are people who use their podcast for fundraising for nonprofits uh you can use it for gosh i mean all types of stuff i mean and then we think about you know places out there like npr and things that are subsidized entirely on donations so there's lots of ways to slice it if you you know you or you know someone who wants to set up a nonprofit and use the podcast in support of it i think it's a brilliant idea
1: yeah i was thinking that too i i'm not that familiar with that space in in podcasting but um that i thought would be something that folks that maybe just you know they're like i don't really care about the monetization or the business aspect of it but i really do want to um uh, have a platform to get back. And it seems like that would be Absolutely. a good one, a good one to do that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is um, let's just say somebody wants to get started and has no idea, like, you know, aside from being overwhelmed with information overload on the internet, what what advice would you give, give someone to get started?
0: Yeah, I I would say probably a couple of things. One is, I think a big challenge that stops people from getting started is they're waiting for it to be perfect. And the truth is, it's never going to be perfect. And it's not even going to get close to moving in that direction until you actually start. And if I can share a quick story, Dawn, on one of the things Mm -hmm. that occurred to me that really brought this home in a very visceral way I was a big fan of the original CSI series on television, and I watched it for, I don't know, however many seasons it went, 12, 13, 15, whatever. And I remember not too long ago, after I'd started podcasting, I was channel surfing one night and I saw, oh, here's an episode of CSI. And it was from like season one or season two. And I thought, let me just watch it. And so I started watching it and I was like, oh, wow, this isn't that good. Why, why did I, why did I like this show? And then I realized it dawned on me that, wait a minute, the only reason it didn't feel good to me was because this was season two. I had watched what it had become by season 15, which was brilliant. The writers had found their stride. The actors had fully fleshed out and developed their characters. It was a much better, deeper, richer show by season 15. But guess what? They would not have gotten there had they tried to like, no, no, we're not going to launch until, no, it doesn't work that way. They had to evolve to that by doing season after season after season. And the same thing is true of a podcast. Just get out there and do it. It's not expensive. It's not as time consuming as you might think, and you will get better over time.
1: You know, I'm so glad you said that because that was totally the case for me. I did, uh, you know, episode one, Tom and I sat down actually in the salon of our sailboat and had a conversation and just talked about all the crazy things that we'd been through and how we ended up in East Lujadas, Mexico. And then um, my episode two, I think, was really kind of more about my story and all these transitions that I had gone through in my life and starting over and all of that. And those were pretty comfortable. And then... I interviewed my first guest. I was so terrified. I had no, I'd never done anything like this before. I was like, oh my gosh, I must be crazy. What am I doing? Just the anxiety, right? And thankfully, there was a woman on the island who was an author. She was a pro and she was really kind. And and I sat in her apartment and literally just (laughs) said, Cindy, tell me your story. Like, (laughs) and she, it was like, I wound her up and off she went. And I just remember this sense of relief afterward. that, oh my gosh, I did it. Oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, and I didn't really say too much in this interview, right? I mean, she really carried it well. And I thanked her so much, but that is something that I noticed over time, I mean, I'm sure I probably would cringe if I went back to some of my, my earlier episodes, um, but thankfully they weren't about me. And I think that was really helpful starting out with, I, ha- I think I had to start out with interview style where, you know, you're just, cause I'm naturally curious anyway. So eventually like the nerves subside and the curiosity kicks in and it just becomes more comfortable and like, and that's what I described to my guests is, hey, it's it's like you and I are sitting down for a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and my listeners get to listen in on what our yeah. conversation is. And that's really the vibe that I was looking for was, and, and honestly, it was so much selfish because I didn't want it to be any more intense than that. You know, I wanted it to have more of a casual feel so that I would feel comfortable and not so nervous. And then I did, uh, I I you know, further in the process, I started getting compliments about what great questions I was asking and all of that. And I was like, Oh, I I think I'm, I think I'm actually getting better at this, you know? (laughs) So it is, it is such a journey and, uh, it's, it's, almost, and then if you throw in, you know, nervousness about, oh, well, how many downloads do I have, or how many listeners, or, you know, all that, or, you know, why aren't these sponsors coming out of the woodwork to come and throw me money, you know, for my show and all that. I mean, I, that stuff never really even entered my mind, because it was a passion project to begin with. And so, and I was my own sponsor, I had been interviewed by a a friend who has a podcast. She's on. It's on the internet too, but she interviewed me and her husband owns a recording studio. And she said, I'd like to pr- produce a commercial for your villa because I let her come and stay to scope out a retreat. And so when I launched my podcast, I said, Hey, Lainey, can I have that commercial? <laughs> and yeah. so became my own sponsor. And so, you know, I guess maybe that's another way to, if you have a synergistic business, that allows you to promote your business as a sponsor and then still have this ability to, to play in another arena. Is that something you've, you've seen work before?
0: Totally. And as a matter of fact, there was a study done a few years back of podcasters that are making money with their show. The study found that 62% of them are selling their own products, programs, or services. And so it is the most prevalent way to monetize a podcast is through selling your own stuff. Um, The percentage of podcasts that have enough downloads to really make a living selling sponsorships is relatively small. It's like 6%. Um, So the vast majority are doing it by selling their own stuff. And absolutely, it's the first thing I started promoting. Well, I also did some affiliate promotions uh, initially as well. But other than that, I was promoting what I was doing in the world.
1: Mm hmm. And and yeah, and I, I guess what, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, well, the business that's related to the podcast. But in this case, I mean, yeah, if you have another more than one business and, and one business supports the other, I mean, you're still making money from your own own business, even if it's not. Yeah.
0: Well, and depending on which of my podcasts, so each one monetizes itself a little bit differently. But, you know, for the most part, like even from my show, The PodQuest Show, which is about podcasting, I use it to promote my own training course. I use it to promote my own live events. And so it really is promoting what I'm doing in the podcasting space, consciously speaking, for while I was promoting. Uh, my book, The Art of Forgetting. I was promoting other stuff more in that mindfulness space. So really, you know, one of the things is, that I teach is start, even if you're just thinking of launching a show, start with what it is you want to sell. What do you have? What do you? How do you make your living in the world if you are a solopreneur, an entrepreneur in some way? Then once you know, okay, well, this is what I want to sell. Then you think of who is going to buy it? Who are my typical buyers of this? And then create the show that will attract those buyers Mm -hmm. and and take it from there. And I think you'll find that you'll have much better success if you start out by that little bit of reverse engineering.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I remember in the the event you talked about even targeting um, the, the client, the guest to client model you yep. called it. No. Um, can you give an example of, of
0: that? Yeah. So this, by the way, wouldn't work if you were just trying to sell your book simply because sure. you know it's just not worth the amount of time to do it. But if you've got a high ticket item, let's say it's anywhere from $2,000 or more that you would bring on, you would specifically seek out guests to interview who are your ideal potential clients. And then during the course of that interview you might find out ways in which you could serve them, you know, find out what their pain points are, where they're struggling in their business or whatever it is that you help them with. And then, and I don't recommend that you try to sell them directly at the close of the show, but you do a follow-up at some point and go, hey, by the way, that thing we talked about on the show that you said seemed to be a challenge for you. I don't know if you know, but that's something that I specialize in. And are you open to a conversation to see if maybe we could work together? So there's that's the guest to client strategy. And sometimes it even happens more naturally. I remember before I even knew of the strategy, uh, I interviewed someone on my show. And at the end, they were like, you sound like you're a really good coach. Are you available for hire? And I was like, uh, it caught me off guard because I wasn't prepared for that conversation. And it just really dawned on me like, oh, wow, I guess I should be considering this with anybody I interview.
1: Right, right. Good, good. Yeah. So um, the fourth expert in the series is uh, actually um a book publicist, my, my book publicist, and she actually helps people promote their own books and so forth. And I, I know in the event you had talked about it, you know, even if you've got a book in you, it might be a good idea to wait Mm -hmm. and do the podcast first. Can you, can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, I suggest it for multiple reasons, but one of them stemmed from the fact that when, when I was doing my first book, I was approached by a publishing house and I was filling out their acquisitions questionnaire and I came to this series of questions that were, that were like, how big is your mailing list? How many Facebook fans do you have? How many Twitter followers do your hand do you have? And it, all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait a minute, they want me to sell the book. I thought they were going to sell my book. It's not the way it works. It's why we're called best-selling author, not best writing authors. They want you to sell your book. And so... When that struck me, I realized, well, I need to start growing an audience because I didn't have a mailing list or Facebook fans or Twitter followers or any of that at that time. So I'm like, I really got to get this going. And so that it happened at about the same time that I started my podcast. And so it really just became a natural flow of like, grow the audience, then publish the book. Find the buyers, build the people who are going to be hungry for your book. Because how many people, I mean, maybe all of us, I feel like I know multiple. So I'm just guessing that everybody probably knows at least one person who's written a book and has a garage full of their books that they don't have an audience to buy them. Mm -hmm. And it's just, to me, it's like, it's the cart before the horse, build the audience, then write the book that you can sell to them.
1: Yeah, and I had the same experience as well when I filled out the form with my publisher and mm-hmm. saw all those questions. And I was really glad, actually, that I had done that because yeah. uh, I, I I I didn't intentionally do it. It was interesting, <laughs> you know. I sometimes we we fumble our way in the right direction in the right order without knowing any better. But if we if we can know better, it's it's it helps. I think
0: absolutely as to where
1: we want to go. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, but I always like to end with this question. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to, to share? Mm,
0: anything that I would like to share that you didn't ask? I would say that the most difficult thing about getting started and, and I'm just saying this to anybody out there who's got an idea, they got a dream, and then they just haven't taken that first step yet, is that I think the big challenge is that we're often waiting for something here where we are to move us forward in that direction. And my suggestion is this, take the first step and then the pull will happen. But if you're waiting to take that step, it ain't gonna come that way. Take that first step, and then everything will fall into place to get you in motion. But do that first. I guess that would be the thing I'd want to leave people with.
1: Yeah, and that's so true. Sometimes we we can't wait for the emotion to strike us, right? We just get into action, and, and then you start that momentum process. So great words of advice. Well, awesome. And I understand you have a free gift for our folks listening.
0: I do. And as a matter of fact, I guess it ties into that. If someone is waiting for a first good step, get my free report, especially if you're thinking of podcasting. It's called the simple five-step process to launch a rockin' podcast in just 14 days. Of course, I you don't have to do it in 14 days. That's just an homage to how it happened in my life. But you seriously, this report will show you how easy it is the five simple steps you need to do and get your podcast up and running. And don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry about anything else. Just start and then everything else will fall into place.
1: And you get better.
0: And you get better, absolutely. (laughs) You won't get better just thinking about it, trust me
1: right and I, I always say that about you know you can read a read a book about learning how to swim or riding a bike but you know until you get in the water till you get on that bike oh
0: tell me about it i read this great diet book the other day i didn't lose any weight at all it was amazing <laughs> oh
1: that's great well thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it
0: that oh it's a such a pleasure and
1: uh, um, i'll look forward to talking with you soon
0: likewise thank you for having me don Thanks for tuning in to the Life in Paradise podcast. Did you love this episode? If so, we'd love for you to follow, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to tune in every week for more inspired insights and wisdom to create your somebody pinch me reality. And until next time, dream big and act on it daily.